Wang. David. So we just watched another episode of Craftsman. Derek Hollenbeck. Yes. Uh, episode three. Yes. Season two. Season, season one. one. Season one. Yeah. Thankfully, there are two seasons, which few things have made me so happy <laughs> to know that that, that guy's still kicking and, and, and putting out content. Um, you know, I and I've watched some of this before. This is sort of your your first time seeing this. And I think that you see um, what I was excited about or heartened about. You see this guy, he's so passionate about what he does, but he's able to to do a high level of work, involve other people, not take himself too seriously. Yeah. And he just has that approach and that point of view where being in a hurry and turning profit so that you can buy this year's newest machine or this year's newest equipment or work truck or that's as far from his mind as you can possibly imagine. It, it is. And that is extremely refreshing. Yes. They show aerial shots of his, of his place in Eureka, California and given it's on, it's on the coast. So salt water is a factor, but all the tin on the buildings is, is rusted you know, it's overgrown. It's not, you know, super well manicured around the property. There's, there's not huge billboards everywhere. It, it just looks like, like a collection of older buildings uh, that somebody cobbled together. And it, it does not look like a high level functioning woodworking shop. And it, I think the thing that's so endearing about it is he hasn't gone to a huge amount of trouble um, for presentation or like, you know, all of these influencers that like everything is all squared away and perfect because they're selling themselves and they're selling like the image and the whatever. You get the idea that all these other things are just on the periphery. What he's selling is the absolute passion and craftsmanship to do the best possible job on this really a, a very particular type of architecture that Victorian, yes. you yes. know, all the, the molding and crown work mm-hmm. and, uh, mortise and tenon. And, yeah. um, he's all about the work. He is. He is. even down to the vehicle he drives. Yeah. It's a 1982 box van. It's not, it's not the latest and greatest, you know, F five fifty that he just came off the lot. Do you see how around the, the window seals, like it looked like the the rubber had like slightly eroded away and they just like put compound in there, yeah. like almost like glazy? Yeah. You know? Because it he doesn't care about what he's driving or what Not. he rolls up in. And his reputation is such that, woe unto you if you tell him to turn around and leave because he's the expert in the country <laughs> on doing that type of work. Those yeah. people are, again, they're not buying the image. They're not buying the presentation. They're buying like the the level of work that he's producing. Yes. Which is so nice to see. It very much so. And yeah. Yeah. Parts of the country people are, are very pretentious and want 
to you, you want your neighbor to see the best contractor pull up in the nicest vehicle sure. and have the best equipment on on your project and things like that and, and he seems to be absolutely unaffected by any of that the man wears at least three different patterns of plaid <laughs> um i don't even see him wearing a blue ox shirt or hat no or i mean he's wearing jeans and probably yeah. russell moccasins would be my <laughs> guess and everybody else that works there I don't even know if I saw them wearing blue ox shirts or like he, he completely did not buy into, all right, we all got to be real snappy dressers. We got to have like embroidered shirts. We got to, right. you know what I mean? And, and there's value to some of that. Don't get me wrong, but like, he's just completely lost in. Craft. How about we just make the best possible thing we can? How about yeah. that? Yeah. You know, that's going to be our advertising. Yeah. Right yeah. there. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when I started, I really wrung my hands over what's the best name, yeah. what's the best logo, what's the branding, what's the, like I thought I couldn't even really start doing any business until I had a logo design. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you get all of the, and, and even whenever I was brand new and starting out, I remember thinking, huh, I would see a few different people that did uh, design or um, woodworking or things like that. And like the owner, the only thing he would wear is a white t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. He didn't want his name on his shirt. He didn't have his name on the vans. He didn't have, no. like, and everybody just looked like, a cast member from the Sandlot. You know what I mean? They're just wearing like whatever they feel like. Yeah. But um, people hired them because they knew well, this This is the best at this. You know? So it, it's interesting in that he wasn't caught up in all the different things, you know, and you know, well, as I do that, um, I've been taking steps lately and redone all the computer system, all the file management, all the other things and getting yeah. more like where, uh, there's sort of a dress code, however loose that may be, you know, we all wear black. Um, I, when I started out, I, when I could not afford it, Dwayne, I spent like two and a half thousand dollars on shirts, having shirts. And my lo my logo was seven colors. Oh so, my. yeah, every one of those shirts, even though it's a T-shirt, was like forty dollars because they had to screen it seven different times. My goodness. And then the hats, they were also 14 different threads to make the color gradient you know, through the logo and everything. And I remember thinking, yeah, I'll give these hats out. Well, here's what I've hats are almost as bad as business cards. <laughs> you can spend a fortune making business cards and that person might keep it for about a day and a half before they use it to level a table at a restaurant. Yes. Hats. 
the person, they're happy to receive it, but then it quickly gets put on a hat rack and they never wear it again. You know, uh, and those hats were expensive too. So I just, I think about like where I put a lot of focused effort and thinking this is what I need. But you know what, to be honest, part of it was psychological. I felt like if I had that, I felt more legitimate. So I needed it. Yeah. When you look around, you're like, who are the big names I know? Like, well, everybody's wearing their hats. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's wearing their shirt. And if you think, well, what's the easiest thing I can do to be successful? Well, I got to make a Perceived hat and a shirt. As, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, naivete. Uh, I had a full color logo and all this other stuff. And, of course, now, you know, I'm back full circle where it's like, how about we just wear all black? Yeah. You know? Um, Work for Johnny Cash. Right. I did. Uh, and honestly... Uh, any work vehicles, I would gladly not have a logo on them, but by law, because they're under DOT uh, right. weight and all of that sort of stuff, they have to have it on the door. Yeah. But um, that, if I could go back to myself 20 years ago, I would just say, look, all that's nice. Take that money and put it somewhere else. Yeah. You know, somewhere useful. Yeah. Um, but the guy is just in, in my book he's a, he's a legend you know he's just and every tool he has I don't know most of them are at least 100 years old some of his newer ones are like from 1940 you know yeah the modern ones are yeah and he just sort of patches them up wires them yeah Makes new cutters for him. Do you see on the the mortise machine? He had to lift the pedal. I did with see his that, foot. and I almost cut my eye over at you because <laughs> I remember thinking they're not even going to put a spring on that. No. He's just like, no, I'll just pick it up with my toe. And yeah, yeah. And you see, it had um, like some rubber or some carpet on it with it some duct, duct tape. tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because he he has a a remarkable clarity about what matters. Yeah. When it comes to producing the end product. 100%. So he said something in there that that I wanted to get your opinion on um, to see what you thought he meant. He said, if you don't know your past, you can't know where you're going, I believe is what he said. Something to that effect. It, It may not be a direct quote. What do I think of that? What What do you think he meant by that? How do you think he meant that? I don't know. Just your thoughts mm. on it. Well, one thing that stuck with me that he said was, the older you get, the more you appreciate things with age. Yeah. And I, I agree with that 100% in that the older I get, when I see an, a really old machine, I immediately am drawn to it. I don't yeah. always purchase it and use it. Yeah. But you almost feel like that you're buying some of the magic. 
in that machine and the history and the amount of like sweat that's dropped all around that machine while it's been used for who knows where and how long. And, you know, the other thing is you buy a saw now weighs 600 pounds. You get one that was a hundred years old. It weighed a thousand pounds. Right. It weighed 2000 pounds. Everything was cast and just like, (laughs) you know, made to last forever. Yeah. You know, um, and so I think that it's probably twofold, right? He specializes in restoring Victorian era things. So understanding where he came from and the past helps him stay very focused on, you know, I'm sure there's people that have said, well, you know, if you had a CNC mill, you could recreate all of this stuff. Yeah. And he's sort of like, yeah, but in the past someone made that by hand and since my job is to restore that i'm doing a disservice Mm -hmm. if i turn around and use the latest greatest new technology and 3d print something with wood sawdust in it and then we sand it down and it'll look perfect yeah that's kind of what i got yeah too yeah Yeah. and he he mentioned later that the the lady that came by said, I just set my mm-hmm. machines up and feed them boards. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I know those guys that, yep. that that's, that's their level of craftsmanship is, mm-hmm. is feeding boards to a machine, a shaper or a mill or a, I guess you could even go as far as CNC. Sure. Um, but they create out of those. So. In, in, in like, not, not to pretend, uh, um, that we don't use CNCs. Like, you know, I I have a CNC um, that cuts metal with plasma, oxyacetylene, mm-hmm. and also marks it, so it'll sort of like do a, a, a vibratory uh, engraving on it. Um, and just recently uh, kind of starting to bring online a CNC router, like a mill, yeah. uh, that, that um, has a five foot by 10 foot bed and is big enough that it can carve stone and soft metals, but then also wood and foam and all those other things. Yeah. Part of the reason that I've brought those in is that um, th- there's not a lot of restoration work that we do. Um, I've done restoration work in the past and I've never used a CNC to do that restoration work. But it's funny, you know, everything now seems to go on like a 12 month um you know you you have a set amount of time to finish a project so the bank can close on the construction loan right and then finance it you know right so i've had conversations with homeowners that they're like well what's faster you know and i've wound up having to outsource some cnc work but then stubbed my toe because whoever is supposed to be doing that CNC work has placed my job at the bottom of their <laughs> list. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so sort of uh, out of necessity and a little bit of frustration, I've just said, okay, well, I want to own those machines so I control the timeline that I get those things. Sure. But the goal is to, um, 
whenever there's a repetitive rinse and repeat type of job to be able to hand that off to CNC yeah. and free up time for a craftsman to actually make something by hand on these other projects that are very, uh, that demand that level of yeah. craftsmanship. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, one thing, and, and I'll probably be unpopular for saying this, but you know, CNC's are able to do a high level of precision, um, which, you know, sometimes is handy um, and and doesn't get tired mm-hmm. and can take a craftsman um, and free up his time to really focus on the things that need to be done by hand. Yeah. And then the things that are just like ripping material down to certain lengths, you know, it's sort of like a magic genie that can at least feed you the parts you need rather than going through a five or ten year process of training someone how to do it properly by hand right you know right um because times have changed people won't stay with you for five or ten years yeah you know yeah there's a lot of things that have changed one you said is time yeah um that projects need to be completed in um the other one is people um the other one is skill sets and uh, a lot of what i see today is everybody wants they want it now. They want that skill now. They want that position now. They want that yeah. pay now. But they're not willing to put that time in. I Yeah, like I've been so, here for two years, so I want to make X. Right. You know, and you're like, well, okay, walk me through it. Why, What what's magic about that number? And yeah. they're like, well, I got a friend that's my age that works at a corporation. Yeah. And they just sit at a desk and they don't really do that much. And they make that much. Right. So I want to make that much. And how do you argue that? I understand where they're coming from. Um, but I'm also thinking, but the only way this business can run, I'm going to make these numbers up. If you want $1, then I have to be able to bill $3. Yeah. You know, a third of that goes to you, a third of it goes to the government, mm-hmm. and a third goes to the shop. Right. Um. And, and it going to the shop means I don't put it in my pocket. It means it buys equipment, it repairs equipment, consumables, all those things. Light bill. Yeah. Things like that. So then I say, okay, well, then that means that $3 gets passed on to the end client. Mm-hmm. And if, if your production is not as fast as someone else, like say me, where I make $1, I charge $3, and I do it in a third of the time. Right. Then that end client, one day, will have you do something for them, and they'll say, why did you triple the price on me? Yeah. And uh, I will say, as the owner, I didn't. And they're like, but it costs three times as much. And I'm like, oh, well, that's because he's much slower. And he actually built it twice. He built he built one most of the way through and then realized he made a mistake. Then he had to back up and build it again. Yeah. So then you're in a in between a rock and a hard place. This person hasn't put twenty years in learning how to do things um, methodically and carefully. Right. But they want to make the bunny of someone who's um, already learned all that over twenty years. Yeah. So it's uh, 
that's a hard conversation to have. Very much. Very much. And but it seems to happen more frequently. It does. Uh, than it, not. And, and I don't know if it's um, social media or if it's just the way things are. I, I don't know. I, and Always. I'm not fighting it and I'm not trying to be angry about it. I'm just sort of stuck in the middle thinking, all right, well, you know, I can't pay a brand new guy $50,000 a year, $75,000 a year yeah. to um, work much slower than me and have many more mistakes and break tooling <laughs> while he's doing it because that's yeah. making the meter run backwards. Yeah. It starts to become a charity where you're just like adopted someone. Yes. So that's part of where CNCs come in is that you know that you can have a CNC cut something to a particular shape and do it literally within a minute and a half. Whereas if you handed a person uh, a metal cutting saw or a grinder or a hand plasma torch, it would take them all day. At least. Yeah. And, and just know they still want to be making <laughs> 25 to $30 an hour, yeah. which I'm not saying that that's not reasonable. I'm just saying, I'm the one that has to stand in front of the client with hat in hand and say, yeah, I know what you mean. That does seem expensive, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it, that, I think that's the new hurdle for a lot of craftspeople is trying to get fresh, young talent in, but, somehow explain to them that this is an eat what you kill sort of business. Yeah. And I completely understand that you would like to make the same money that I do. Um, but how do we get you there with efficiency and speed and attention to detail? Yeah. And without them to realize that's not an overnight. Yeah. Switch. Yeah. So in some ways, like, look, I've heard, I've had this conversation a thousand times. Somebody sees a blacksmith using a power hammer and they're like, well, that's cheating. And you're <laughs> sort of like, I, I know what you're saying. I do. But 200 years ago, a blacksmith would have had three or four apprentices. Mm -hmm. And contrary to what people think, the apprentice, actually the apprentice family, would pay the master money say here teach my kid yeah and that apprentice would do a lot of that grunt work of the power hammer yeah well as things have changed and people won't pay you to apprentice they're like well i want to make as much as the general manager at mcdonald's <laughs> you know because i have bills to pay and they're not wrong then it becomes a burden or a master to train someone and you may train them for a year. You may train them for five years, 10 years, but they may, and I'm not saying this is wrong. Wake up one day and be like, well, I'm going to do this for myself. Yeah. And then you've lost your investment and you start over. So how many times can you afford to dump between 20, 
and $75,000 a year training someone to know that they're going to go down the road and hang out a sign that says, I'll beat anyone's price. <laughs> you know, yeah. how many of those do you want to compete with? Yeah. So, so that's where you start to come back to, all right, I'm going to have the rough cutting and um, some of the grunt work done, not by an apprentice, but by a machine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, even looking at, uh, at Eric's shop, all the all the machines you have as old as they are and as much upkeep as he has to put into them they're still performing that service too they're the cnc yeah. of of their time. absolutely yeah he could cut all those tenons and mortises by hand mm. you know with a handsaw and a mallet and a chisel he could do all of that work it would not be as exact as exact it would not line up as perfectly as he demanded and the client would be probably somewhat disappointed with all the modern conveniences that we now have that everything wasn't as tight yeah and perfect as as he makes it right even with his archaic machinery right so i'm not sure if the times have changed as much as we think that's that's a good point you know, it's just a, there's a new, a new monster in the room, I guess. Yeah. And, and his shop is ex- expansive. He has a lot of real estate there. So he can have one machine that's set up to do one thing and not mess with it. Yeah. Whereas when you're paying modern real estate in some places and you only have 3000 square feet. Yeah. You're like, ah, is there a way I get a machine that will do like the job of ten machines? Yeah, and then that goes back to CNC. It it oh. definitely does. No, yeah. it definitely does. So yeah, that that is true. I didn't think about that because you look at some of his machines and it's like this takes four hundred square foot, five hundred square foot of the it's, shop. It's a one trick pony, and all it just does this yeah. cuts tenons. Yeah, and that's all it does. Yeah. All the time. And beautifully. It beautifully, yes. 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 But then he he can't afford to take that machine apart and set it outside so he has room to assemble a big piece. No. You know? No. He's just got to go somewhere else, and I don't know what square footage he's dealing with, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's well over 10,000. Oh, yeah. Because it looked so. like he had at least two or three. Mm-hmm large long buildings that were yeah. maybe 50 or 75 wide and 100 feet long it, it did uh i think in another episode he mentioned one of them's for metal work and yep. one of them you know there's that's true they're yeah. specialized not yep. all of them are for for woodwork right um, so they're yeah scattered among them so yeah it's uh you have to adapt yeah. To, to you know modern things uh to say nothing of like uh property tax oh gosh you know um making sure that you stay on the right side of the law and pay a percentage of what that machine is worth and what it took to install it all those other things you know yeah um yeah, you have to uh, you have to be aware. 
and uh, making sure that you're making good decisions. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just craftsmanship is still there. You, you just have to adapt to modern pressure, right. uh, at least in my mind and at this point in my business, you know. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of construction type work mm-hmm. for higher end uh, individuals. Um, so they want the quality. But again, they're still on a timeline. Yeah. And even though this may be their second or their third home that they own, um, all at the same time. It's not like they're selling one and buying another one. They have two or three that they live at. Right. You know? Right. But when they say, I want to have Thanksgiving in this house, that they have set a deadline for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. What else did you get out of watching him other than, like, wanting to live his life? So I, I kind of, I kind of did a little trip back in time. He he was talking about when he sees something, he kind of deconstructs it in his head yeah. to see how the parts and pieces fit. Yeah. So that he can somewhat manipulate them to work for him. Mm-hmm. And My, my parents have told me stories about when I was a child that I would deconstruct things to yeah. see what was in them and, and how it worked. And Did you put them back together? Sometimes. Sometimes I'd put them back together yeah. too. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I, I think you and I are a lot alike that we just want to see how it functions and what's yeah. going on in there. Yeah. My, uh, my daughter will get frustrated with things sometimes and, and, uh, She'd be like, this is, this is broken. Like it, it's useless. And I'm like, no, we can fix it. Like just let's take it apart and see what's broken in it. And then yeah. we'll, we'll fix it. And she's like, are you sure we can do that? And I'm like, look, somebody had to build this the first time. They had to figure out yeah. what to do and how to make it work. Like all the pieces are here. Yeah. We just have to see what piece isn't functioning correctly and alter that to where it is. Yeah. And that, that's a mindset I've had, I think forever yeah and i like the the older tools and the older pieces of machinery and i like getting in there and finding out why they were abandoned or why they were set aside or why they're not in use now or you know did a new model come out or did Uh something break within that 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 can be repaired and they can go back into service and there's something it going to sound kooky but there's almost a, a, an energy in the, an old tool when you pick it up and, and use it and you think like he was like eric was saying like where has this tool been and what yeah. has it done before me and, yeah and uh, you know what is it seeing i 100 percent agree with you uh, yeah when i lay my hands on an old tool i think how much sweat yeah has come off of someone's brow yeah. While they're using this, what things were they dealing with? What, you know, what type of frustration, what type of joy, what mm-hmm. type of accomplishment? Um, you know, how many times did somebody pick that up and just be like, man, I love this thing. It's just 
Yeah. You know, every craftsman has like sort of a core set of favorite tools Mm -hmm. that they, they either think to themselves or they comment to somebody like, man, that's one of my favorite tools in this shop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you like, here it is a hundred years removed and you're finding this thing and you're cleaning it up Mm -hmm. and you're thinking, you know what? At least it's not rusting away. At least it's not melted down for scrap. Like it's living on. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I, I know that sounds spooky, but, but I am nostalgic and Mm -hmm. I am a, a bit of a romantic about, uh, old tools and, and thinking about where they've been and, yeah, you know, what's, what's my purpose in this section of time while it's in my hands, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whole, uh, well, several walls in my living room are plastered with old rusty tools hanging in various, uh, states of display. Um, and I know where all of them came from. A lot of them are from, uh, my family have come off, uh, where my parents grew up or where my great grandparents homesteaded or, yeah. you know, just there's, there's some family history sure. in that rusty piece of metal hanging on the wall and, to uh, be able to preserve that a little longer, you know, when I pass on, who knows what'll happen to it. Um, maybe somebody will find it and want it or, be as intrigued with it as I was. I don't know. I hope so. Well, this is totally off the subject, but you know, the, there's a, was a a popular television show. Um, there's a pawn shop and you see all these people come in and bring these things into a pawn shop. Yeah. And like, I get upset watching it because this guy's like, yeah, there's like a, dueling pistol that my grandfather left me uh, on his deathbed and he was like whatever you do take care of this jimmy you know and he takes it to a pawn shop Mm -hmm. and the guy's like the best i can do is 35 dollars," you know and you're just thinking ah i'm so glad your grandfather's not here to see you yes (laughs) be that kind of person yes it just Almost on a whim, takes it to a pawn shop. Ugh. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. But, but you know, the, the whole point is, what are you going to do with it? You have no control over what happens to it once you're done with it. But, but I think you do have a responsibility to uh, give that the best possible life that you yeah. can while yeah. you have it. Definitely. You know? um, so, yeah. I... Uh, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the guy, this uh, Eric Hollenbeck. He just, I would love to go walk around that shop. I bet it smells fantastic. Oh my goodness. All the redwood and yes. the things that he works with in there. And yes. just, yeah, he's what I aspire to be in another 20, 30 years. I don't, can you tell how old he is? You had to guess. 70s i would guess late 60s yeah early 70s kind of going off how he looks and how old his daughters look yeah his daughters look to be in their mid 30s mid 30s to 40 40 ish yeah 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 
So, so yeah, late 60s or 70s, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah. But he, I admire how he still looks like he's enjoying life. I, you know nice. he's dealt with all the frustrations that everybody else has dealt with. But he has held on to some of that sort of like joy and um, love of what he does. Yes. Well, he's mentioned in each episode, like, you can't be so serious about yeah. what you're doing. You got to enjoy it, take pleasure in it. So, yeah, he got it figured out early on. I yeah. Think, and, and stuck with it, stayed and, true to it. And didn't get pulled away from it. You know, because there are times I know personally in 20 years where I started because I loved it. And then at some points I felt like I was a slave to it. Uh, In other parts, I don't know that I enjoyed enjoyed it that much, but was I was invested. I had payments to make and I had payroll to meet and I had all these other things. And so... Um, man, what a what a treasure to to see someone who seems to really have it dialed in, and um, still finds joy in it. Still, uh, you know, has been able to put together a team of people that obviously care as much as he does. Yeah, he's not going behind them and fixing everything off the clock. No, you know? no, no, no. Uh, and yeah. he's he's not micromanaging them either. No. At least. From what we see. Yeah. Um, and I I doubt they would be there. He said one guy was there 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, yeah, I, uh, I admire that he's not caught up in image or presentation mm-hmm. or creating a quote-unquote brand, which it seems like every 26-year-old on Instagram is like, well, you know, it's my brand. Yeah. Um, which mostly what they do is watch YouTube videos and like four or five of them and then make their own YouTube video of the same thing. Yes. But it's their brand. Right. You know. Uh, so there may be invested like six hours <laughs> before they present themselves as an expert. Yeah, but it's been their dream their whole life. Yes. We, when we decided to do this today. I was like, awesome. Like I wanted, I wanted to watch that show again. Yeah. I purposely have not gone out and searched for it because I know I would sit there for 18 hours. I did it one Saturday. Yeah. I watched like nine episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would forego sleep Mm -hmm. meals. I would just sit there entranced and, and binge the entire thing. It is very easy to do. But interestingly, it's very easy to rewatch it as well. You're not tapping your foot like, oh, no, I'm going to fast forward through this yeah. part. Because yeah. he's just got such a demeanor and and an approach. Yeah. Obviously, it's very high production value. You know, somebody spent some time editing and putting some music to it. And, you know, oh, they've done a, the voiceover. a great job. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic great. job. Mm-hmm. Is that where we leave this? I believe it is for today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next time we're going to watch the next episode. Yeah. And then we'll uh, we'll come back in and 
wouldn't surprise me if our next episode is a little bit longer. I told you that, um, well, you've had a hard day as well, <laughs> but, uh, today has, uh, has been a long day. So, uh, so yeah, we'll leave it there and yeah. then we'll, uh, pick up episode four. Episode four. Nice. Coming up. All right. Thanks. Yes, sir. <laughs>